when you think about how you go about learning something you don't know, it's really critical that you think about who should my board of advisors be? And they don't always have to be very, very senior. They can just be someone who has happened to do this once before you. Hi everyone, this is Claire Wasserman, the founder of Ladies Get Paid, a career development platform that helps women negotiate for pay and power at work. If you don't know us, shame on you. Go to ladiesgetpaid.com backslash join to get access to our private online network where there are more than 35,000 women from all around the world who are sharing advice, resources, jobs, and more. It's free, so you have no excuses. This episode of Lady Talk is brought to you by Cole Haan, the fashion brand that empowers people to work for what they believe in. Last month, we teamed up with Cole Haan to host an interactive workshop focused on modern day networking. The response was so great, we wanted to continue the conversation. And that is why I am talking to Nisha Dua, who is going to give you really good advice on how to build and leverage your network for professional opportunities. Nisha is the co-founder and general partner at BBG Ventures that invests in early stage consumer tech companies with at least one female founder. With over 60 companies in their portfolio, BBG Ventures actually has the largest portfolio of female founded companies in the entire country. In addition to her work at BBG Ventures, Nisha also founded the hashtag built by girls platform and movement, which connects young women with professionals in tech that helps them get their first job. So if you're a professional in tech and you want to be part of this amazing organization, uh, just go to builtbygirls.com. Uh, Nisha also has a black belt in karate. So basically don't mess with her. Um, hi, Nisha. Thanks for being here with us. Hi, Claire. Thanks for having me today. So I know you had a bit of a winding career path before getting into venture. Um, I'd love you to talk a little bit about that, but also how did you use your network to help propel you forward? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question because I've, I've actually had about three or four jobs at this point, different careers. And, and in each case, um, at, at least as I tried to get into a new career, um, the people I knew or the people who knew someone that I knew were actually really critical. So I actually started my career as a mergers and acquisitions lawyer. Um, I spent about four years doing public and private M&A, which when you're a junior lawyer means you spend a lot of time actually proofreading documents. So I'm a really great editor. Um, and I, I never loved the law. I was always more interested in the business dynamics of the deals that I was working on. So I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I knew one day I wanted to run my own thing. Um, but management consulting actually seemed the next best. And so um, I ended up working for Bain in Sydney. I'm from Australia, in case you can't tell from the accent. Um, but that was actually really the first place that I tried to use my network. And listen, I was very fortunate because I had two big brothers who'd done consulting before me. Um, but before I took my um, interviews, I probably did... 40 practice interviews with people who had been consultants or were currently consultants. So I asked anyone I knew who'd been a consultant before, and I got my brothers to ask people they knew to spend 30 minutes with me on the phone doing practice cases and practice interview questions. So that by the time I had to go interview for something where, you know, not many lawyers go into consulting, um, you know, at a graduate stage, right? Like, which might be considered a post-MBA or post-grad school stage. Um, so I really had to know my stuff. And it was through 
talking with people who had done this before that I was able to get through my interview process at Bain without losing a single mark in my interviews. So from there, I, I knew that if I stayed too long, I would just sit in a consulting firm, but I knew that I really wanted to be in business um, and in particular in technology. Um, and, you know, coming from Australia, being in professional services, I didn't really have an end to that, right? Um, but I knew I wanted to be in America because I knew that's where all the innovation was happening. Um, and so what I really set about doing was identifying um, which were the big companies or the hot new startups uh, that I was excited by. And a lot of people ask me, like, how do you, you know, how do you narrow in what you're excited by? And I think one way to do that is to talk to as many people as possible um, and say that you're interested in learning about what they're doing. Now, you might not have those people in your immediate network. I guarantee you've probably got at least one of those people. The strategy that I employed actually was I went on LinkedIn and I looked up all the companies that I was interested in, whether it was Amazon, Google, eBay, um, you know, Birchbox, other startups in the consumer consumer space. And I just started looking to see, was there anyone in my network who I knew who worked at those companies? And if there wasn't, was there a second connection who knew someone I knew well? And I started emailing people and saying, can you introduce me to this person who works at this company? I don't know if you're close with them, but if you are, here's something you can say about me as a way to make the introduction. Yeah. You well, make- I just want to just jump in. Yeah. What I love that you, you just said here is you basically made it easier for them. Um, yeah. So basically let, you know, let me help you help me. Um, yeah. but I'm just curious for the people that you reached out to in your own network, did, were any of them folks that you didn't really know very well? Um, and you know, how did you basically incentivize them? Like, was it just pure sort of charity here? Like, you know, do you mind doing this or, you know, how did you kind of build the relationship up with them where you then felt comfortable asking them to do this for you? Uh, that's a great question. So many of them I knew well enough Okay. to make an ask. And I had the confidence that, um, I was a smart person who they would feel confident in introducing to someone else. And the reason I was able to feel confident is because I looked at my past history and said, okay, I can have the confidence that I'm a person with skills. But more importantly, I had confidence because I did what you said, what you just highlighted, which is I armed them with enough information to make them feel confident in giving the introduction. So I basically preloaded, you know, one to two paragraph emails that were specific to the person or the company they were introducing me to and explained why I was interested in getting to know them and what my relevant experience was. Very short and sharp, but it gave them enough ammunition to say, when I make this introduction, I feel like I'm making a good introduction. Who do you respond to? What makes you want to say yes to either a phone call uh, meeting or just a simple response? Yeah. So obviously I have kind of two jobs um, and we sort of got a bit off track from that introduction, but it's a good chance to mention them again um, because it is really how I got um, using those introductions was how I got into my first job in America. But um, the fun, so I'm often getting cold emails with people pitching me their companies Mm -hmm. um, and I'm built by girls. I'm often getting cold emails um, from people who work in the space 
of girls' empowerment or girls' talent um, or girls' skills, right, or not-for-profit. Um, so on the fun side, if we respond to a cold email, um, it's a little bit specific when you're an investor, right? Because you have to feel like the company is in one of the focus areas in which you invest in. So for us, that's new commerce, connected communities, future of work, uh, Gen Z, and personalized health and wellness. So firstly, we have to feel like it fits within our mandate. Um, secondly, what we need to see in the email, and, and this is critical for any introduction, any cold email, any warm introduction, is the one or two paragraphs you send should be very substantive and should tell a story of the traction that you've had so far, um, what you're building, and why it's so unique. Right, so you have to, in a couple of paragraphs, really create incentive or excite the person. I get a lot of cold emails from people who say, I'd really like to meet you. Mm -hmm. I work for this company. Um, and that's it, right? There's no context of, I work for this company, we focus on X, I notice that you're doing this, this and this, I feel like we could really partner on, um, you know, these two things and I'd love to talk to you about it. So, you know, you always have to have a point or a hook or show the value add you can bring to someone. And that is what draws me in. And sometimes, even if it's a great email, I might feel like, look, there's no, there's no um, immediate action here. There's no immediate partnership or investment that we're going to make. Um, but I feel like this could be useful down the track. And then I'll respond and say, you know, let's, let's get together for a call or a coffee. Um, on the Built by Girls side, I think, you know, I get a lot of cold emails from young women who are interested in maybe interning with us or learning more about the Built by Girls program. And that's a really good tip when you're in high school or college, again, to figure out what is the story you're telling about yourself. And you may feel like you don't have a lot of accomplishments yet, but actually you are more accomplished than you realize. And so thinking about what are you interested in and how does that relate to the person that you're emailing? So can you connect the dots for them? So they say, oh, I can, I can either find a reason to meet with this person or I can find a reason for them to meet with someone in my team. Don't be dissuaded if the person you email doesn't have time to chat with you. Um, it's, it's a great thing if they can pass you on to someone else too. Okay, so let's say I email you, you don't respond. Um, I always tell people, you, you, you know, the, the follow-up is key. Mm -hmm. How many times should you follow up before you're being a stalker? <laughs> I think, <laughs> that's a good question. I think two or three times is good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that people's inboxes are so full. Mine is so full. I feel horrid that I sometimes take, you know, 10 days to respond to someone. You know, I've taken two months to respond to people. Um, but I, I also, and many people have a rule, um, I often declare bankruptcy on my inbox. Mm. Um, so I'll say, Tell me more. Know, <laughs> I, I haven't, last year I went, I had, you know, 100,000 unread emails in my inbox. And I said, I can't deal with looking at that number. So I marked them all as red. And I said, you know, assume that the most pressing things came through in the last two months. And I am marking all of those emails as red within this 100,000. 
if it's really important, the person will email me again. Tell everybody, because I, I obviously I've met so many women who all ask me for personal coaching. And fortunately I can say, well, just go to our private online network. Somebody else will help you. But I, you know, I often also say, okay, email me. I probably won't get back to you anytime soon. Don't take it personally. Uh, you just, just follow up, just follow up. Um, and I'll get back to you at some point. Um, yeah. I think that the whole don't take it personally part is really hard, uh, hard for women to, to it's, do. It's really hard, but I just challenge your listeners and your network to put themselves in the shoes uh, of, of the person they're emailing, right? If you're emailing someone because you want their advice, many other people are as well. Then that person has a day job. And then they're also probably trying to get in touch with people that they need time <laughs> with and advice from, right? And so imagine that you're getting, you know, 100 emails a day, plus you actually have to do your job, plus you have to take meetings. There is not enough time in the world to respond to everyone. So it's really important that you don't take it personally if you don't get a response. And I strongly encourage people to follow up with polite persistence. Um, the worst thing you can do is be aggro in your emails when you're following up, right? Like, don't be passive aggressive that the person has not responded to you. You know, say, I'm, you know, I'm sure your inbox is really full, so I just thought that I would bump this up. And reiterate, I would love the opportunity to. Here's another thing, when you are bumping up an email to someone, and this goes for networking or at work, do not just re-forward an email to someone and expect them to read an entire chain right? Make it easy for them. And that is what is so important in networking or getting introductions. How do you make this the easiest, lightest lift possible for the person you're emailing? That's great. I love the polite persistence. Also love a great alliteration. And that's also great advice. Love um, a good alliteration. <laughs> um, so I just want to touch on something you mentioned about the, the young girls who want to get involved with uh, Built by Girls. Mm -hmm. um, so you said, that oftentimes they don't feel like they have accomplishments or, you know, cause they're so young or whatever, no matter what your age is, I think a lot of women feel like they're underqualified for opportunities. Um, I think there's that statistic where, you know, women won't apply for a job if they're looking at all of the requirements and, oh my God, they don't have, you know, 99.99% um, sure that they're able to do all of the skills that are listed in a job application. Uh, when a man will go for it, even if he has like, 40% of the requirements or probably less. Uh, but I want to read this quote that you, um, that you said, I don't know if it was in the press or maybe on a panel that we did with you earlier, but you said, say yes to opportunities you may think you're underqualified for. Women have the habit of making sure that they are overprepared for everything, um, but then they can do themselves a disservice by just not saying yes. So trust that you have the raw instincts to make it work and then learn as you go. Seek out people who have done it before and ask lots of questions. Uh, I know that's also something that probably you've personally experienced just in the fact that you pivoted in your career and, you know, weren't necessarily qualified in the traditional sense, but you clearly were able to gain the confidence to go for it. Um, could you just expand a little bit on that quote? Yeah, yeah. It's I think this is so important and I am a victim of this as much as anyone else. And so that's actually a great story just to pause and tell. Um, before I got into venture, uh, my, my now co-founder and partner, Susan Lyon, was my boss. 
at AOL. Uh, we worked for the AOL brand group. I was her chief of staff. I ran strategy and operations for a 1,500 person organization. During that time, we had a website, a celebrity gossip website, um, that we were thinking about shutting down and no longer had an owner. And someone said to me, a man who was younger than me, um, you should take this over. And I said, don't be ridiculous. I know nothing about running a website. He said, well, this is a great opportunity for you to learn. Hmm. Like, I can't ask that. Like, I have literally no experience. Like, editorial, product management, sales and marketing, building revenue. And he said, no, 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 this is a great opportunity for you. Um, and so I went to Susan and I said, and I mean, these were literally my exact words. What do you think, would you possibly mind if I maybe had a go at running Cambio, which was the name of the site? I don't really know what I'm doing. Oh, I promise to fuck it up. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, like word for word, this is basically what I said. And she looked at me and she said, of course right? Because she had seen my work to date and she knew that I was capable of it. And I told my, bro my big brother about this afterwards and he said, don't you dare ever ask for an opportunity like that ever again. And it is the story I tell to everyone because I encourage no woman to ever repeat what I did, right? Um, and now let me tell you, I did know nothing about running a website, but I knew what I wanted to focus on, which was at the time in 2013, social sharing. So I went and I got introductions and talked to everyone I knew who was good at social publishing. And from there in nine months, I quadrupled the traffic to that site and I rebranded as Cambio site for girls, hashtag built by girls, which is where the whole hashtag built by girls movement started. Um, so suffice to say, by talking to experts and bringing them into my world as advisors, I was able to figure out how to do this job very quickly on the go and exceed expectations. And so when you think about how you go about learning, it's when learning something you don't know, it's really critical that you think about who should my board of advisors be? And they don't always have to be very, very senior people. They can just be someone who is even your peer who has happened to do this once before you. Anyone who's done something once or twice before you is an expert and they should be someone you go to for advice. Okay, so I love this phrase, personal board of advisors. Um, mm -hmm. I get asked a lot about how do I find a mentor? And my first response is don't, like just don't put pressure on yourself. This word mentor carries a lot of weight. It's a lot of pressure if you're gonna ask somebody to mentor you. Um, so instead kind of focus on what you wanna learn and then all the people in your network uh, or in your sort of tangent, you know, out, you know the, the outer circle of your network, um, bits and pieces that you can sort of learn from each of these people and kind of stitch them together to make sense for your life. But I am curious for you, did you ever ask somebody to be your mentor specifically or, you know, just sort of in general, how do you basically get somebody involved in your life without feeling like you're burdening them? I, so I agree hundred percent with you. Do not ask people to be your mentor. That, 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 that word has taken on a life on its own. And I, frankly, I don't think people really know what it means. I think people are reluctant to say yes to being someone's mentor because there are actually like a lot of heady expectations that come with that word. People don't know if they're ready to be mentors. People don't have the time to be mentors. 
um, they don't know if they, they can really fulfill the expectations of that. Um, so I 100% agree with you. Do not ask someone to be your mentor. I have never asked anyone to be my mentor, but I ask people for advice all the time. And I ask new people for advice all the time. But what I'm asking for is not advice specifically, I'm expressing curiosity in what they do. And I'm saying, hey, I'd love to learn more about X, Y, and Z. I'm working on this thing. Um, I've been exploring, you know, how, how to, it, you know, how to bring this into the work that I'm doing. It feels like you've spent a lot of time doing this. I'd love to talk to you about it, right? People love to talk about themselves. They love to talk about what they're working on and, and it gives them energy. So I, I would really think about asking for advice or creating your own network of advisors um, as expressing true, true curiosity in what someone's doing and sharing what you're seeing as well, right? Each one of these expert relationships or advisory relationships is a relationship. So it should be a mutually beneficial conversation. And I think actually the thing that people really underestimate is these can be friendships. Right? I am friends with all my advisors. And God forbid we like each other. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That doesn't mean we catch up for brunch every single week and we text all the time. But over time, I actually do catch up socially with these people and I do text with them. But there is an element of work that is peppered within that, right? And so I think people really underestimate that in building these um, connections, you should be getting to know people as full people. And that is why they want to help you over time. Yeah. And I think also when you reach out, come with a specific agenda and be clear upfront of what it is that you're going to be asking them. I mm -hmm. really hate when people come to me and they say, can I quote, pick your brain, which A, is a really weird and sort of disgusting phrase. Uh, but also I, I don't, it's, it's too abstract. Um, yes. and, and oftentimes, you know, my response will be, Hey, can you just send me a quick agenda before we connect? And a lot of times when they, you know, they give me a few bullet points, I realize that I actually can't help them. I'm not quite the right person for yeah. them. So I think that'll save a lot of time uh, for everybody. And, and also it'll really give, um, give us time to prepare. So it can yeah. So I think that's a really important point, Claire. So we actually spend a lot of time on this. Networking um, out of that. No, um, I, I, just for any meeting. This, is, this goes for events and one-on-ones. Uh, we spend a lot of time on this with the girls in our hashtag Built by Girls program, actually. So, um, you know, my advice is before you go and meet with someone, um, or even if you're at an event, uh, but this goes particularly for meetings, um, come up with the three things you want to ask that person. Um, and you can, and you should mention it in your email so they feel prepared. And if like you, sometimes they feel like they're not the right person, they say, you know what, I'd be happy to chat with you, but here's who I think you should actually speak with. And I'm going to introduce you for that person. Because uh, as you said, you can really waste someone's time. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of like in the words of Hamilton, right? Like, don't waste your shot. You mentioned uh, making connections for people. Uh, there's certainly an etiquette to that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about maybe, you know, you're the person asking for the connection. So yeah. A, how do I do that in a respectful way? Uh, and then once I am connected, um, maybe just kind of walk me through even both sides. You're asking for a connection or you're giving a connection. What's the best way to do this? 
So, you know, I love to talk about email connections in particular because that's where we're mostly connecting people. And I have some very strong opinions on emails um, and making connections. So I think firstly, if you're asking to be connected with someone, um, we've come full circle to what we started talking about at the beginning, which is arm the person with enough context substance on you to make it easy for them to make the introduction, right? Why, why should this person use one of their bullets, right, to ask for an introduction for you? Because everyone's got a limited number of kind of how many times do I want to use this? Um, do I think this is a valuable person to introduce? Because connections are despite the fact that we talk about them as relationships and substantive and authentic, they're also currency in the world. And it's important to acknowledge that. So you really want to arm someone with the right information. What am I working on? Why is this connection going to be useful for the person they're going to make the introduction to? So that's one thing. The second thing is the person who's making the introduction. Always do a double opt-in introduction. Now, what that means is you must ask the person you want to make the introduction to before you make the introduction. Uh, because what you're doing then is being respectful of someone's time, their bandwidth, and you're getting a sense of, is this the right introduction for both parties? Um, I can't tell you the number of times I get an email from someone saying, hey, I really think you should know X, Y, and Z. No contest, no nothing. Um, here's the name of the company they work for. Maybe that's it at best. But they've not gone to the trouble to talk to the person who's asking for the introduction about why this is relevant for me and then maybe given me some of that background so I have the chance to say, I think I can be helpful or I can't be helpful here. Or I'm headed down on another project at the moment, so actually I just don't have the bandwidth for this introduction. What you're doing when you put someone in that position is you're actually being a bit of a jerk. You have your own self-interest, right, at heart. And the self-interest there is, I want to look like the good guy. I want to look like I went to the trouble of making this introduction. But what you fail to realize is that in winning points with the person you're making the introduction for, you are losing points with the person you made the introduction to. So good. So, so true. Always, always, always ask for permission. And that is not to make me or anyone receiving an introduction sound like a, you know, like we're too important. This is just about like a valuable use of time and resources and making sure that the connections you're making are right. And you will gain a lot of respect and people will value your introduction far high, more highly. Agreed. So just want to uh, pivot quickly to networking events, which can be incredibly uncomfortable to people. Even just the, the word networking in and of itself feels kind of sleazy or, you know, because it's transactional or people think it should be transactional. Um, so let's reframe it. Um, you're going into an event. You don't know anybody. Uh, number one, how do you feel confident? Number two, how do you avoid small talk? Okay. I mean, I, this is such a hard topic because what most people don't know about me because they assume that I'm a huge extrovert um, is that I hate large groups of people. I hate talking to new people and I hate small talk. Yeah. So, so I've, I've thought a lot about this um, and I go to events, you know, I could be in an event for work every night of the week. I go to a lot of conferences and I was putting a lot of pressure on myself 
um, to say, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at talking to new people. And so what I started doing was actually taking the pressure off and saying, I'm going to go to these events. Um, but my goal here is just to have one substantive conversation. And if I leave with one great conversation and one really interesting connection and a new friend that I want to follow up with, I did a good job at this event. And so I, I think like therein lies the sort of, you know, challenge with networking today, which is what is the goal of networking? I would challenge people, despite the fact that that's in the title of this podcast, to actually throw that word out. Because I don't know that there's a lot of point to just simply adding people to your network, whether it's in LinkedIn or in your sort of mythical network in your head. You have to figure out, like, what is your goal when you're trying to meet someone new? So if you're going to a mixer um, with people who all work in a similar industry to you, is your goal to learn about how that, how that role works at other companies? Is your goal to meet someone who is one level up uh, in an organization than you. So you can understand like, what does a VP do versus a director? How did someone get from director to VP, right? So figure out what your goal is. The second thing that I like to do is if possible, where possible, I try and get a list of the attendees at the mm, event. That's good. And so I actually do pre-homework. And that's very easy for conferences, uh, especially women's conferences, little harder at a networking event. But normally you can ask the organizer, you know, who are the sorts of people who are coming to this and from what companies? And then do some pre-homework. It's like what we said about a one-on-one -on -one meeting. What are the three questions you have? Um, so then you can really focus on who do I want to meet at this? And you can sort of go up to them with something in mind rather than having to engage in small talk at the beginning. Now, there's a certain level of small talk that you will have, right? Getting to know someone, uh, where do they work? What is their role? Uh, what are they excited about right now? What are they building right now? What challenges are they facing? But those are questions that if someone is at an event for a work reason, they're probably interested in answering, right? And so that can get you into the segue of, well, here's what I'm working on right now. One of the challenges I'm facing is, and what I'm really interested in learning is like, have you come across that? How did you deal with it? And then you can actually get into a really authentic conversation with someone. Yeah. And I would add, um, always ask people how you can support them. Even if yeah. it doesn't seem obvious, right? Like you're, you know, let's say you're just starting your career and this person is really well established. It's just nice to ask people how you can support them. And when I'm asked that, my response is, please spread the word about Ladies Get Paid. And that's incredibly helpful if you do that. It's easy yeah, for you and it goes a long way. I think that's critical. Always close out a conversation with asking how you can help the other person. And often they won't have something, though that is a great, great call to action that you've got there. Um, often they won't, but they'll appreciate that you ask and they'll say, let me think about it. But the other thing that I would say, and I say this because talking to new people is scary for a lot of people. Um, you know, when you're going to these events, the best thing you can do is smile right? It, it makes you a human being. Um, it warms up a conversation. And even if you're not currently in a conversation with someone and you don't know how to approach them, smiling at someone is a great way to open the door and say, hey, I'm friendly, I'm not scary, and I'm willing to have a chat. And maybe just maybe they'll come up to you 
it's always the simplest things that, you know, could make a big difference and, and just having positive energy. Um, yeah. And if that means you need to do jumping jacks before, listen to music, you know, the power pose, like though it sounds sort of funny, but again, you want to be around people who have that sort of magnetic energy because um, it just makes you feel good. Uh, and it'll make you feel good to have that energy too. So I recommend that. Um, in closing, I mean, is there anything else that you want to talk about, share about you, sort of last words of wisdom? The last thing I would say as it relates to meeting new people in a work context is, and it's something we didn't touch on, never dismiss someone as unimportant. You never know, firstly, where they are within an organization and whose influence they have. You also never know how influential they will be down the track. And finally, it's just simple human nicety to treat everyone equally. I love it. Um, okay, so where can we find you, follow you, get involved with hashtag Built by Girls? So, I mean, Absolutely. again, everybody listening, don't don't stalk Nisha. <laughs> you can do the follow-up. But, yeah, what's the best way to see what you're doing next? Yeah, the best way to get in touch with me is follow me on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at Nish. Six seven, um, and I'll always engage in a conversation on one of those platforms. Uh, we would love for you to join us as an advisor on the Wave platform at Built by Girls. Go to builtbygirls.com. We will pay you with a young woman who you can advise over the course of three months. It is only three hours, and it will be the world to them as they build their very first network in tech. And their confidence too. It really does. And it'll make you feel good. Um, the it'll make you feel great. Yeah. I mean, especially for those who are feeling like, well, I don't have much to offer, you know, when I'm, I'm meeting with this person, you bringing your energy uh, and willingness to learn, it makes us feel good to share our knowledge with you. I think that's so right, Clara. And I think that's a great note to end on, which is to say, you may not think you have a lot of expertise, but you have done something before someone else right? And you can share expertise about that, whether it's having gone through an interview process, whether it's getting your first promotion at work, you did this one thing before somebody else did it. And so you have expertise to share. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I'm so inspired by you and all the work you're doing. I, I also really appreciate that you let me monopolize so much of your time. We've basically seen each other every day for the last two weeks. So uh, very personally grateful. And I know everybody listening is grateful. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to Cole Hahn, who made this episode possible. Uh, Cole Hahn has been propelling women in the workplace with stylish, comfortable, and versatile shoes and accessories for nearly four decades. Uh, in a sense, they've been alongside girl bosses since before the term girl boss existed. Uh, so thanks, Kolhan, for helping us to continue the networking conversation today. Um, oh, and to find styles that fuel your hustle, visit kolhan.com. Uh, and speaking of URLs, check out ours. Ladiesgetpaid.com is where you can learn more about what we do and make sure to sign up at ladiesgetpaid.com backslash join where you'll get access to that private network I talked about where more than 35,000 women all over the world are helping each other with their careers. This is Claire Wasserman and you're listening to Lady Talk. Until next time.